You know, this, um, this is Alison and I's 26th Christmas here in this church. Can you believe that? That's incredible. And um, it's always a challenge in one sense coming up to Christmas time as a pastor of a church, uh, especially where you've been in the same place for 26 years because the story is the same. And every Christmas you want to try and find a different way to communicate the same story. Uh, and I thought I'd do something a little bit different this morning because I think, I think having been here for 26 years and we've been leading the church and, and, and serving the church in this role uh, for, for 18 years, uh, we just want to say to you, we love this church. This isn't just a church to us, this is our family, this is community, this is a tribe of people who are on a journey. And I have to say, and I say this to people all around the world that I'm meeting and connecting with, this season right now is the best season that I've ever known in terms of this church's story. Not that all of the rest hasn't been great, but just the sense of God's presence and the sense of God on the move is so tangible right now. And when you read that article in that magazine, and I'd encourage you to do that, because it just kind of reminds us all about the journey that we've been on over the last just three years where we were three years ago and where we are now are completely different realities. And having just come back from Albania and seeing the young guys there and, and that church that we're now leading, and I, I met uh, for dinner with a guy from New Zealand who is marrying an Albanian girl, and he's also um, from an Elim church in New Zealand. They want to plant a church, and so they're looking, can they connect with us and connect with Elim? And, and then on the way back, I, I stopped in Istanbul, as you do, uh, for a day, because one of the girls in the church in Duras is, is living in Istanbul. I can't talk too much about what she's doing, uh, but she's part of our family now as well. And as I came back, I just thought, what an incredible thing God is doing. What God is doing at Rowley, what God is doing at Hagley, and what God is doing here, and what God is doing around the world. And so what I thought I'd do this morning is I'd just like talk to you as a pastor, if I can, and this is my Christmas wish for you. For you as Life Central, as I'm speaking now, I've already recorded this message and that's being played on a screen up at Rowley. And I gave this message to our guys in Albania last week because I thought they could get it first. Is that okay? And they were really excited about that. Okay, I didn't tell them I was just practicing it. No, I wasn't, I wasn't just practicing it because some of them will watch this. I wasn't just practicing it. But this is, this is my wish for you and your family this Christmas time. So listen, if you're a guest, if you've come from out of town to stay with family and whatever, you're welcome in on this. And I hope that you hear the heart behind this. This is God's heart for you as well. You may not be part of this church. You may not be a Christian. You may go to another church. This is God's heart for you as well because this is all out of God's Word, the Bible. So my wish for you this Christmas time, my wish for you and your family is that you would know that Jesus is in you, with you and for you. That you would know that Jesus is in you, with you and for you. That we wouldn't get so caught up in all of the stuff around Christmas, which I love, absolutely love it. Me and uh, Alison and some friends went to... Stratford on Friday night uh, to the RSC, not to see Shakespeare, which we do, but to see A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, which I have to say, in my opinion, is the greatest story ever written outside of the Bible. And it's like so Christmassy. And so all of that, and you can't go through a thing like that and not come out of it and feel Christmassy. I just expected as I walked out that there would be snow, but there wasn't. It was chucking it down a rain. I have to remind myself, it's not EastEnders where they have the snow machines. Do you know what I mean? It's real life. But, 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 you know, all of the stuff that makes Christmas is brilliant. But the thing that makes Christmas is Jesus. 
And my wish for you is that you and your family this year would know that he is in you, with you and for you. And there's one verse that we're going to look at. And this is from Isaiah 9. This is a famous verse. And this is the foretelling of the coming of Jesus. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background. This was written 700 years or so before Jesus was born. This was written as what the Bible calls prophetic to the people of Judah, one of the tribes of Israel. They were living in times of revival and rebellion, like good times and bad times in Europe out of Europe, didn't mean to do that one, that just came, and all this kind of stuff, and they really were in darkness, and they needed to know that a light was coming, and so God spoke and said, a light is coming, and he will be called a name, because it's a person that dispels the light, it's not a project, it's not a political party, and we we value that, and we pray for that, it's a person, and his name is Jesus, and it says, and he will be called, so you think, oh, he will be called, so here's a name, so, so here's a question for you. What's in a name? I wonder whether you know what your name means. I did this in Albania last week and it was so amazing. St. Yeton, his name means living and his mother's name means hope. And so we worked with that a little bit last week. I don't know what does your name mean. Several years ago, Alice and I were at like a, a dinner party and we were sat around a table with a whole load of people and we played that kind of game. I don't know whether you've done it like, if you're an animal, what animal would you be? And everyone else has to guess what animal you would be and they look at you and they say what animal. And in my head, I'm sure, I, I, you know, I knew what they would say. It would either be lion or stallion. I mean, either one of those two. I was happy with either, either one of those two. And as it came round to me, and I, I was a lot fatter than I am now, and actually they looked at me and said, yeah, hamster. Seriously, do you need glasses? Like stallion, clearly stallion, but it was hamster is the name. But actually my name, Leon, means lion-hearted. That's actually what it means. But you know, here's the thing. When it says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, like that sounds like it's his name. It wasn't his name. It wasn't like Mary would say, hey, Wonderful Counselor, do you want to come to tea? It's like, hey, mighty God, would you wash your hands? They didn't call it. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that this guy called Jesus, this is what he will be like. He will be called, not as that's in his name, but this is who he is. He's going to be a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and a prince of peace. This is way beyond the words that we read on Christmas cards or in Christmas songs, or even Christmas carols. This is way beyond that. These are the names of who Jesus was and is in your life. My wish for you guys, this amazing church that I get the privilege of serving every day of my life, my wish for you is that you would know that this Jesus is in you, with you, and for you. And before we look at what those four names or aspects mean, I want want you to notice two other things about Jesus. He gets you. He understands you, you you know, because he was born as a baby. For to us, a child is born, a baby who grew. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, uh, these amazing words. So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. This is like revolutionary in the ancient world. And like the idea that a God would understand our witnesses, that a God would be born, that a God would go to the toilet, that a God would walk in the ground, 
that a God would bleed and cry and be, be fearful and, and, and be anxious and have weaknesses. This is unbelievable. He understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. I love this. He gets you. And so you need to know, you and your family this Christmas, he gets you, he understands you. And that if tomorrow or the next day or the next day is tough for you and you're sat around a table and there's an empty chair because there's someone that used to be there that isn't there now, he gets you. He understands you. I love that. But also it says he sustains you. Because not only is this child born to us, but he, the government will rest on his shoulders. <laughs> oh, that's a prayer, isn't it? Could the government rest on his It does rest on his shoulders. He can sustain the government. He can, what that word government means is he can sustain the world. He carries the world on his shoulders. He can sure carry you and your family. Whatever you're facing. Some of you I know in this church, you're facing tough times. Health financial, emotional, relational. And as you turn into the new year, you're facing tough times. You don't know what's happening. And He understands you and he can sustain you because the government, the whole world can rest on his shoulders. So here we go. These four things, and these are what my wish is for you. This is what we would want to say to you guys, okay? We would, this is what we're praying for you for this Christmas for you and your family. We pray that you would know wisdom when you need it the most. Because he's a wonderful counsellor. In some translations of this Bible verse, there is a comma between the word wonderful and counsellor, but not in the original one. It's wonderful counsellor. It kind of comes together. And it literally means incomprehensible, like amazing, beyond description. H.G. Wells, who's a historian and wrote many fiction books as well, he wrote this more than 1,900 years later. A historian like myself, who doesn't even call himself a Christian, finds the picture centering irresistibly around the life and character of this most significant man. The historian's test of an individual's greatness is what did he leave to grow? By this, Jesus stands first. That's written by someone who was not a Christian. But when you look at a historical figure like Jesus, greatness is what did he leave to grow? By this, Jesus stands first. He's a wonderful counsellor, isn't he? And my prayer for you guys over Christmas and into the new year is that you would know wisdom when you need it the most. Can you think of a time when Jesus put his foot in his mouth? When Jesus said something he shouldn't. Can you think of a time when you did? I know I can. And I love like little Christmas nativity stories. I know I've told this one before, but this is one of my favourites. Because this young lad was so desperate to play the part of Joseph in the nativity school play. And when it came out to dishing out the parts, he didn't get the part of Joseph. He got the part of the innkeeper and he was miffed. Like he was really miffed. But he learned his line. He only had one line. No room in the inn. That was the only line. But then when it came to the actual performance and the family were there and the crowd were there and everything, he was so miffed that it went up to this time in the play. And there was that moment when Joseph knocked on the door, room in the inn. And this kid who really wanted to play Joseph, he opened the door and Joseph said, is there any room in the inn? And this kid said, yeah, there's plenty of room. Why don't you just come in, put your feet up, everything's fine. He put his foot in his mouth. Okay, he said the wrong thing. Jesus never, ever did that. So he's a wonder. He's got wisdom when you need it. Can you think of a time Jesus spoke when he shouldn't or kept quiet when he should have spoken? Can you think of a time when Jesus said, can I phone a friend or go 50-50? No, because Jesus is unlike any other person who's ever lived. 
And if you need wisdom, he can give it to you. Jesus doesn't reveal the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. That's what makes our faith, if you're a Christian this morning, so amazing. That the source, the foundation, the cornerstone of our faith is the wisdom of God. He has wisdom and He gives it when we need it the most. And I, I want to explain to you how, how I think this works. And it's from a very simple verse in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119 verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. And I love that because so often as people, we want the whole path lit up, don't we? Many of you want that. Many of you are asking the question, well, what will 2019 look like? And what will happen here? And, and you want the whole light to the path. That's not how God usually works. What God usually does is He shines light for your feet. And you step into the light and then He turns the light up. It's what we call, what I call the dimmer switch principle. It's like a dimmer switch and He turns it up as we're obedient, as we step into it. And the more we step into it, the more He turns it up and the more light He gives us. And before we know where we are, we're walking down the path that He's lit up for us. And so if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom right now. And the Bible says, if any of us lack wisdom, ask God and He'll give it you. But He won't give you the whole path, but He will give you the next step. He will give you the lamp for your feet. But if you don't step into it and don't be obedient, then He kind of turns it down a bit because He's waiting for you to be obedient and step in. So the first thing is, my wish is that you would know that Jesus is in you, with you and for you and that you would have wisdom when you need it the most. Secondly, you'd have strength when yours is running out. Because he's a mighty God. He not only gives us timely wisdom, he has the strength and power to back it up. He is able to enable you to achieve what he advises you. Don't you love that? So like when Jesus says you can do all things, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens in me. The context of that wasn't I can do everything. It was this bit of challenge in my life right now. I can do that. I can face that because Jesus is in me, with me. And for me, he will give you strength when yours is running out. You know, Jesus didn't stay as a baby, meek and mild. He grew up to be a lion, didn't he? A lion, the Bible says a lion, the, tri the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Bible teaches that the strength of Jesus is at work within those who know and have invited him in. Listen, if you're not a Christian this morning or if you're watching this later on, uh, we, we are not any stronger than you. We are not any better than anybody else. But we, all, the only difference is we have Jesus in us and He is. He's a lot stronger. He's a lot better. He's a lot holier. He's a lot mightier. And when you know that He is in you and with you and for you, the strength that when yours is running out is amazing. I think it gives the strength to face challenges that are in front of you. I love this story I heard years ago about a kid that was playing in a, a sandbox and there was a big rock in the middle of the sandbox and he was trying to uh, move the rock out so he could kind of move his trucks and cars and lorries around and, and he couldn't do it and he tried all his strength and might to do it and, and then there was a shadow that came over the top of him he looked up and his dad was standing there and his dad said what you're doing and he explained and he was crying and he couldn't move it and his dad just leant down and just took the rock out. And the kid said, I tried all I could do to move it. And the dad said, no, you didn't, because you didn't ask me. And I wonder how many of us live like that little kid. Are we trying to do everything in our own strength and our strength is running out. My wish for you guys this Christmas time is that you would know that the Jesus who is in you, with you and for you is a mighty God. Whatever challenges you're facing right now, he has the strength to move that rock 
Strength maybe to face the pain inside of you. This Christmas time, I know it's going to be tough for many of you over these next few days, but he has the strength when yours is running out. The strength to face uncertainty ahead of you. We don't know the future, do we? None of us do. We don't know, but we do know the one who holds the future. And he's a wonderful counsellor and he is a mighty God. And then thirdly, my wish for you is that you know security when not much in life feels solid. Because he's an everlasting father. And this concept of everlasting father is more about a nature than a title. It's kind of who he is. And when I think of the everlasting father, I think about a God who loves us. And that's ultimately where we get security from. We kicked off this morning with, I know who I am. I am who you say I am. I can never remember the title of that jolly song. I am who you say I am. You know, that's our identity is in our relationship with our heavenly father, isn't it? And, And that's who he is. And I love this because if Jesus is like an everlasting father to me, you know, and to you, then then his is a friendship that lasts. Maybe this Christmas time, you remember some of your friendships that haven't lasted. His will always last. He is never getting bored of you. He is never moving on to somebody else. He's never like, do you know what? I was friendly with them, but that was like so last year. I'm moving on to better now. He ain't like that. He's an everlasting friendship. He has what we need all of the time. And listen to this. He will never, ever run out of supplies. How many have done the big shop already this Christmas? Oh my goodness. I was at Asda with my wife at 7.30 yesterday morning. By 8.30, wanted to kill myself. Okay, but didn't, as you can see. But I want to tell you what I will be doing tomorrow afternoon, Christmas Eve. It's the same thing I do every Christmas Eve. Now, I do a lot of cooking in our house, but not on the big days, okay? Not allowed in the kitchen on the big days, all right? That's when we have guests and when it's a big day, all right? So I I will be asked to leave the house. I will be going around various supermarkets looking for that one ingredient that we can't get, by which if we don't get that one ingredient, the whole of Christmas comes to a shattering close, Because you cannot have Christmas without that specific stuffing or that specific star anise or or that specific thing. I don't even know what that is. And that's what I will be doing tomorrow afternoon. Any other men going to be joining me doing that? Going around supermarkets that have run out of that key ingredient that you need. Listen, Jesus never runs out of supplies. He's never panicking. He's never running out. He is an everlasting Father. And what he has more than anything else, guys, for you and I this Christmas time is love. He has love. And I know that's really hard for many of us because maybe for some of us, the relationship has run out or that loved one has gone. And I get that. And that's so difficult. But the love of the Father never leaves, never goes and never runs out. He's always, always with us. And my wish for you is that you and your family would know that that love is in you, with you, and for you. And what does love do? I think when I think of love, of the love of God, I think, I think for me of that story in, in, in Luke 15 that we began the year looking at. Remember, we did five or six weeks looking at this story, the prodigal son. And when I look at that, I say, that's what love does. See, what does love do? Love's got to do something to be real love. This is, again, one of my favourite Christmas stories. It was in the newspaper. The headline said, who says men don't remember? And the story goes like this. There's a couple at Christmas shopping in a packed shopping mall and she turns around and she notices that he's gone. 
She doesn't know where he is and she carries on shopping and he hasn't turned up and she's a little bit annoyed and so she calls him. She says, hey, where are you? We were shopping together. Where are you? And he says in a really quiet voice, hey, darling, do you remember that jewellers that we went to years ago? And there was that really nice diamond necklace that you really liked and I said we couldn't afford it. And so she says, oh, I do remember that. And so she's filling up all emotional, feeling really bad about what she just said to us. And she says, I do remember that jewellers and I do remember that necklace. He says, well, I'm in the pub next door. <laughs> Great story. Great story. You see, what, <laughs> what love does is it has action. It expresses something, doesn't it? Which is why the story of the prodigal son and the father is so amazing. Because when you see the father in the story, he represents God. Okay, And in the culture of the day, when, when the son's coming back, they're holding their breath as Jesus is telling the story. Because they're saying, we know what happens. What happens, as we looked at earlier in the year, is kazaza which is this ritual in a village where, where the community come and they have a big pot and they break it in front of the son because he's broken his relationship with not only the father and the family, but the community. And there's shame and there's dishonour. And so the father is watching and he sees and he knows the community are going to come and they're going to bring kazaza. They're going to bring that. And he says, I can't bear that. So what he does is he runs. What he does is he picks up his, the skirt, his skirt of his long robes, which you never do as a powerful man, and he runs and he pushes through the crowd and he stops them doing kazaza. He would have done that. And then he embraces and he hugs and he kisses and he parties and he welcomes his son home. That's what Jesus is. My wish is that you would know that kind of love this Christmas time. That, for me, that's what Christmas is about, isn't it? That's about God saying, I can't wait for them to kind of, I need to go, I need to run, I need to embrace. So he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. Amazing. And I absolutely love that. You know, God gets so excited about us that sometimes he dances and so sad that sometimes he weeps. He weeps. Bill Johnson, and we used this uh, quite a lot earlier in the year, he said this, his goodness is above our ability to comprehend, but it's not above our ability to experience. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I love Christmas Eve, the service Christmas Eve tomorrow night. It's going to be great. I just love that anticipation and the magic and the mystery. And I can't understand it all. Can you? I can't understand it all. How about God? How could God do this? How could God become flesh and body and bone? And, and I don't get it all, but I can experience it. It's above my ability to comprehend, but it's not above my ability to experience. And my wish for you guys and for us as a church and for your family is that this Christmas you would know that the everlasting Father is with you. And He would give you security when, when everything else doesn't feel solid. And so finally, my wish for you is that you would know peace when you sense you might be sinking. Peace when you sense you might be sinking. He's the Prince of Peace. Can you imagine perfect peace? Yes, it's tragic, isn't it? Yet again this morning we wake up to the news of that tsunami in Indonesia. And we hear about all happening in the Yemen and in Syria. And, you know, as I came out of the Christmas carol on Friday, feeling like so Christmassy and, you know, into the car park and there's a homeless guy there. And I just like, got to give him your money. I've got to. Do you know what I mean? You just think, come on, you know, and, and, and you just look all around you. And, you know, there's, there's going to be 130,000 homeless children in our country this Christmas. It's a disgrace and a tragedy. And we haven't got perfect peace, have we? There's going to be a big spike in domestic violence for many families over this next week. 
There's going to be many people fleeing to ref- refuges around about this place, around about our town and community. We, we don't live in a world of perfect peace. And yet Jesus says, and it says of Jesus, he'll be called this wonderful counsel, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace. I want to suggest that it's not about a present, but it is about a presence. That when we have him in our life, we can have firstly peace with God. We can have peace with God. And listen, if you don't have peace with God, you can know that. Oh, my, my deepest wish for you, if you are here today or watching or listening and you're not yet a Christian, my deepest wish for you is that you would have peace with God. And that comes through a relationship with Him. Many of you will remember years and years ago, a guy called Terry Waite. Uh, he was a, a Church of England envoy and he was out in Lebanon and was uh, kidnapped and held um, uh, captive for, I think, nearly five years. And, and he said this amazing thing. He said this, they could take away my freedom They could take away my physical well-being, but the one thing they could not take away was my soul. My inner strength was here. I had peace with God. You can imagine he was strapped and tied for many years to a radiator. And he said, but I had peace with God. But you can not only know peace with God, guys, you can know the peace of God. So you can have peace with God, but still not be in peace yourself. But you can know the peace of God. And Jesus said these amazing words, um, I am leaving you with a gift. That'd be great. You know, you, like, imagine that this tomorrow, uh, on Tuesday morning, you know, when you come around the tree and look at your gifts. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. That'd be better than an iPhone. Come on. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Uh, and I love that story. And I'll speak on it many times where, where Jesus and the disciples are in the boat You've heard me say it many times. And they have that storm and they're sailors, they're experienced, they're fishermen. And yet, and yet they're afraid and they're frightened for their life. And I don't know about some of you, maybe you've been through experiences this last 12 months where you've been frightened for your life and you thought your boat would sink. But they had Jesus in the boat, but he was asleep and that's really annoying. But then they woke him up and then when he woke up, he spoke and brought the peace of God into the situation. A guy called John Ortberg is a great author. He said, peace is not finding a lake with no storms. It's having Jesus in your boat. And as we go into 2019, there are no lakes with no storms, but there can be peace in your boat. And my wish is that you would know that this Jesus, the one who brings peace, is in you, with you, and for you. How do we access peace? Be still. One of the favourite psalms or famous psalms, Psalm 46, just says, be still and know that I am God. I've started doing something the last few months, which I don't do all the time, but I've I've started to do it. And it's very counterintuitive for me to do this. Um, In my devotion time, which I like to listen to music, I like to read, I like to do lots of things all at the same time. But I've started setting my clock, my alarm on my clock for five minutes, having no music, having nothing to read and just sitting in stillness and trying to connect with God. It's really counterintuitive for me. The first time I did it, five minutes felt like forever. Now I do it, it doesn't feel like that. And when the alarm goes off, I want to say, oh, because there's something about being still and knowing that God is with you. And maybe that's what you need over this Christmas time. Just to find, stillness, Christmas, you're joking, aren't you? Maybe you could find a little bit of time over Christmas just to be still and know that He is with you. And then when we're still, we need then to fix our thoughts and our minds on him. Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace all whose trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed 
on you. God, I don't know how overwhelmed you feel right now. I don't know how confused or anxious you feel right now. But the peace of God comes when we're still and when we fix our attention onto Him. It's a gift. I can't explain it to you. It's a gift. It's a supernatural gift that He gives because He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who He is. And I want to invite the band to come back. My wish, guys, for you at this Christmas time is that you would know Jesus is in you, with you, and for you. Maybe some of you need wisdom. Maybe some of you need strength. Maybe some of you need this secure love. Maybe some of you need this incredible peace. You can find it, and you can find it in Him, who we call Jesus, who Isaiah said, yeah, but this is what He'll be like. He'll be a wonderful counsellor. He'll be a mighty God. He'll be an everlasting Father, and He will be a Prince of Peace. I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to do something. I want to pray over you this morning, okay? And I want to pray a blessing over you. It's going to come up here on this screen, but I want to speak it over you. This is an Irish, ancient Irish blessing, and I want to speak it over you uh, this morning, okay? And I want to raise my hand to do that. We love you guys so much, and we are so grateful that we get the honour and the privilege of serving you and being part of this amazing church. And so if you are with your family, maybe grab them by the hand or arm or something and connect with them for a moment because this is my wish and my prayer for you and your family this Christmas time that the light of the Christmas star to you the warmth of a home and hearth to you the cheer and goodwill of friends to you the hope of a childlike heart to you the joy of a thousand angels to you the love of the Son and God's peace to you. Jesus, I want to pray that we would know this Christmas time that it is all about you. And that you, Lord, as we head into 2019 in a couple of weeks' time, you, if we know you, you are in us, you are with us, and you are for us. And Lord, may that be so real for us that in 2019, we will not want to keep it to ourselves, but we will find people who need that hope. We will find people who need that peace. We will find people who need that strength and that wisdom, and we will share it with them. Because Lord, that is the only reason why we're here, to love you and to make you known to others. So Jesus, would you help us? And now Lord, as we finish our time together, we not with a carol, but with a song that reminds us that it is you who is the centre of everything. That the world does not rotate around Christmas. The world and everything in the universe rotates around Christ. You are in everything. You are before everything. You are above everything. You are the image of the invisible God. If we've seen you, we've seen the Father. And so Jesus, as we now prepare for this amazing week and this celebration time, Jesus may may you just see this on our hearts that this is all about you. And may you find here a group of people who love you, who adore you, who worship you, who give their lives for you. Because you are worth it. You are worth it. Because Jesus, there is no one like you. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of
of peace.